Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have my friend of 20 plus years, Cody Nelson, the optics manager at GoHunt.com Gear Shop. Cody, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jay. Glad to be on. Glad for having me. Yeah, I'm love. excited to. I cut you off. You love what? Well, that's okay. You. No. <laughs> well, sure, I love you, but. Um, no, I just, I'm glad to be on, and I know you've had a busy season, and I've had a busy season up to this point, and it's a, a little bit long overdue, I think. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm actually still in Colorado. Um, we're headed back here in a couple days, and I've got uh, Desert Bighorn Sheep Hunt starting on December 1st, and um, my fall duties uh, this fall have been obviously over at the Ot 6 Ranch in Colorado, and I'm actually back uh, in our place here between Carbondale and Basalt, Colorado, and doing a little packing up, and um, we're getting hey, our Jay, place. Uh, uh, yeah, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, what, what, uh, what, what's your temp there today, big boy? Well, I'm in my truck right now, and it's 19 degrees, and it's, a, it's right. uh, 11, 1125, 19 degrees, and for most that are listening, they're puking right now because that sounds cold. But having well, found, I just wanted to, uh, I, I just wanted to make in. sure you knew that. I, well, I just was going to say that I'm sitting at a, uh, a a a beautiful, you know, 62 degrees right now. I just, yeah, I, just I, for the record, I won't lie. I won't lie and tell you that I'm not kind of excited to get back to Arizona and do some hiking on some of the mountains around in the 65 and 70 degree weather for sure, but my newfound love for snow skiing, um, Aspen actually opens up this Saturday, and we've actually been getting some great storms, so I'm kind of looking forward to getting back here uh, February and March and doing some skiing. I actually bought a season pass uh, for the four mountains right here, Aspen's, uh, Aspen Highlands, Snowmass, and Buttermilk, and I'm going to try and get some get some skiing in so i'm i'm pumped uh for this coming spring and um you know i've got good lord bighorn wear a helmet up oh i know yeah no the technology <laughs> these days is amazing and one of them is is the helmet uh pretty much no one skis without a helmet in, anymore so um uh i'm excited to get back I've, I've got the desert bighorn sheep hunt i'm just excited to go sheep hunting and then we've got our two-star hunts in mexico and then I'll be coming back here to do some some skiing. Um, I know this time of year for you is always uh, one that you love. Uh, you've got coming up here in December and January, the coos deer will be rutting, and you've got places there in Arizona that you like to go out, and um, you're a big glasser. Um, are you pumped to kind of get that rut underway and see what, see what comes out of the woodwork this year? Yeah, that's um, since I don't have a tag. Um, it's my way of scouting for the future. So I, uh, and I don't run uh, trail cameras, not because I don't like them or whatnot, but I, I don't run them. So I like to, to put my, my eyes to work and, and it's just, that's kind of my, uh, it's my thing to do. And it's, it's, uh, I've, I've always enjoyed kind of getting out and seeing the deer, you know, more active and, um, you know, uh, it, it's I, I, it's my favorite time of year. If I could have one hunt, you know, for whitetail, I, I know people are too, you know successful on the, you know, on the early youth hunts and 
in the early October hunts or late October hunts, but if I could just pick one time a year to get out and look at deer, uh, especially coos deer um, in Arizona or whatnot, I would always choose the, uh, you know, that that December through January time is my favorite time to be out looking around. Yeah, you know, so. I've had several podcast guests on, and we've done quite a bit of talking about hunting coos deer in October and November and talking about, you know, the, the deer and how much homebody they are and how habitual their patterns are and, you know, glassing into the, you know, with the sun in your face in the afternoon, glassing into the shady pockets. Um, you know, with, with the December and the January seasons coming up, that changes a little bit and you get to where you're glassing a little bit more open country, um, you know, glassing a little bit where the sun's hitting in the morning. Um, and talk a little bit about from your perspective on glassing, rutting type coos deer, uh, in your opinion, how, how that strategy of glassing into the shade might change. Well, um, of course there's always the times where, where you kind of need to look in the shade, but you know, the, the first, um, you know, I, I love that first couple hours of the morning and the, in the last two hours, at, you know, in, in the evening, um, you know, I love putting the sun at my back and, and using that to your advantage because, um, you know, a lot of those deer, that's the first warmth they've gotten and they're going to stand up and kind of warm themselves before they even start looking around. So, um, you know, right there, they're, they're trying to get into the sun. Um, you know, they may have been bedded so that the sun hits them first thing in the morning. They may stay right there. Um, yeah, but it, it, it's just that time of year, Jay, when the, the deer become more active and, and I like finding um, as big a, a look as I can get. And what I mean by look or, you know, I, I want to be able to see an incredibly large piece of the mountain. Um, I'm looking so that I can see multiple deer or multiple groups of deer. Um, you know, with, with uh, you know, at, at that time of year, you know, in the past, it's either been using the COAs or, um, and now it's, you know, using the BTX and, and uh, the 95 or, you know, whatever piece I've got on there for the day. But um, it, it's really starting to let the, the, the big glass do the walking for you. And, and, and you can start, you know, picking apart pieces of the country. And, and you can kind of start to see where the pockets of does are and, and, and start connecting the dots because eventually those, those bucks are going to start, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, checking those does and, start showing up and, and, and generally speaking, that's, you know, a lot of times that's how we find those big deer. For so sure. You know, um, we're going to do a podcast here. We've got a bunch of listener questions, a bunch of, um, I, I put oh, out nice. on Instagram questions for optics and, and for you. So we're going to do that. Um, but I also want to dive into how it's been going for you at GoHunt.com. A lot of people know GoHunt.com as obviously the insider, which is the, the incredible resource uh, researching tool for all the Western states. And then they also know GoHunt.com for, you know, being, for lack of a better term, a, the stub hub of hunting and having, you know, the GoHunt.com site where people can go on and, and you know, catch up on any of the latest uh, stuff that's going on and, and read a lot of great articles and such. But a lot of people don't know that GoHunt.com has a gear shop and has an optics department within that gear shop, and you are the optics manager. Um, so I just want to be clear, on a day-to-day -day basis, Cody, you are dealing with customers that have 
optical needs, tripod needs, they want to talk glassing, talk a little bit about your everyday um, work there at GoHunt.com gear shop. Yeah, uh, Jay, uh, first and foremost, it's been, an, you know, it's, the, the experience here has been nothing short of awesome. Um, great people, um, super talented, uh, absolutely in love with hunting, um, and, and even some of the ones that don't hunt as much um, are, are as passionate about it and, and learning about it and getting into it, um, which is always a fun endeavor. Um, the, uh, the, the, you know, my daily grind is, uh, is, is managing the optic shop, um, and most of my day is, is almost always spent uh, talking with uh, customers personally um, or answering emails personally uh, or, uh, you know, our, 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 uh, our chat line. Um, I, I, I do any number of things to help people answer questions, um, whether it's with rifle scopes, spotting scopes, um, binoculars, rangefinders, tripods, uh, tripod heads, accessories. Um, it's, you know, kind of goes back to the old way of thinking. Um, we are, are just trying to help people see game. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the, you know, it's what I do and it's what I like to do. And, you know, we get people all the time like, I don't want to ask, you know, ask these boring questions. And I'm like, well, um, I don't see them as boring and I love doing this and it's my passion. And so when I can, you know, spread my, you know, love around a little bit and help people, you know, get out and see game and spend time out in the, in the, in the wild, um, looking for, for, uh, for critters. I, I, I don't, that this is what I do. This is what we love to do. So, um, Jay, it, it's, it's been super busy. Sales have been great. Um, I can't really say enough about it. It's just what an awesome group of people to work with. Yeah. So, I mean, Cody, and you know, Historically, optic shops and such have been, you know, mom and pop shops where, you know, people come in and, and you deal with customers, you know, on a, on a face-to-face basis. And it seems like with, um, you know, all of the advancement in technology and, you know, your Amazons and all your different companies out there, um, you know, that personal touch sometimes I feel like gets lost when you're talking about whatever it may be, any type of boutique shop where you're selling something, that personal touch gets lost. But just to be clear, like when the, when the emails come in to um, optics at gohunt.com or when the phone calls, you know, come in on that extension too, you are the person that answers those emails. You are the person that answers those phones. And you talk about the chat line on gohunt when people are asking questions. I just want to be clear that, you know, th- this is something that you're paid to do every day and that you are putting that personal touch back into, you know, the dot-com environment. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it, it's, you know, quite simply, it's, you know, it, 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 people love to have, you know, the ability to, you know, punch the buttons and, and make a purchase and, and, but yet there's, you know, sometimes they like to hear somebody's opinion, somebody's experience, somebody's, you know, what have other people said, what, is, what are other people's experience. Um, and when you've been doing this as long as I have and, you know, just in the industry and then, you know, a, a lifetime of hunting, it, it just it basically comes back to people like to relate to you and they like to have your experiences and, you know, sometimes it's about giving your opinion. 
Sometimes it's educating them on, you know, what is going to be best for their situation, not necessarily Cody or Jay or, you know, Dar or somebody like that. It's, it's, it's always to me about making sure that that person is getting the product that best serves their purpose. I'm not here just to sell you a pair of binoculars at the highest amount because what if that highest amount or what, what, whatever the, the, the situation is, I'm not just here to sell you a product and, and make as much money as I can. Yeah, that's the goal. And, 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 and yes, we wouldn't open a gear shop and have optics for sale if we weren't trying to do that. However, I think there's a way to do that and, and help people, um, you know, fit the, 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 the product for their needs. And sometimes that means it's a less product. Sometimes it's the most expensive product. And sometimes that may be in just telling them the truth and maybe I don't have that product. So there's, you know, people I think just want the truth. They want, you know, they want good, solid information and, and information they can trust. And I think yeah, that's what we sure. do. And, and I don't know, I just, uh, I've always seemed to have a knack for that and I love doing it and, it makes me, uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's, I, it makes me feel good about helping people. Cody, I want to talk about, I want to answer these questions that the um, listeners and Instagram followers have. But before we do that, talk a little bit about the product lines that you guys carry in the Go Hunt gear shop in this optics department. Uh, and it's, it's a wide variety of products, but can you kind of go through some of the manufacturers so the listeners kind of get a sense of what you guys do carry? Sure. Um, we do, uh, we do Swarovski, Leica, Zeiss, uh, Vortex, uh, Leupold. Uh, we, uh, we have a, a couple of Husqvarna scopes. Um, we do Manfrotto tripods, Subaru tripods. Uh, we do uh, slit tripods, um, and we do their heads and accessories as well. Um, you know, we're really, Jay, kind of trying to hit a lot of different um, uh, price points and, and, and points that, that will allow somebody to use something lightweight to heavyweight or uh, long-range glass to, um, you know, everyday glass that you would use on your chest, um, get them on tripods, um, we're, we're just trying to put together, you know, the gear list that, um, you know, for the most part, everyone in the building is used and, and products that we believe in, products that are quality, products that have good, you know, good warranties behind them, um, you know, in that, uh, you know, and some of these are, are absolutely the best in the industry and, and um, it, it's, you know, we're just trying to, you know, kind of put the right variety together to, uh to make sure that people's needs are met. Awesome. I want to dive into some of these questions. Um, we've got quite a few of them, and we'll just go through them, and hopefully we can answer them. Some will be short answers, and some will probably be in-depth. So let's just I dive love into it. them. It, now, these are the same Instagram questions that you're getting on, on uh, J. Scott Outdoors, correct? Yeah. So I put out on my storyboard, um, I, I right. do a lot of question and answer. And I put out that I'm going to be doing a podcast with you, so we got a bunch of questions in. The first question. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm going to go with a Connor. It's a K-O-N-N-E-R-W-I-E-E. -E. If you could only use one set of binoculars the rest of your life, what would it be? Just one? Um, wow. You know... I, 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 there's, there's two to come to mind, you know, come to mind. 
Um, one would be, uh, I, I suppose I would have to pay, I'd probably go with an eight and a half to 42, uh, EL, uh, you know, mount on, I, I could, I could, yeah, Swarovski EL, um, I could mount that on a tripod and be at home. Um, people don't give the eight power enough credit in every situation. I, I, I love to handhold them. They're super steady when you handhold but a lot of people don't give the eight credit when you put it on a tripod. It can be incredibly effective. Um, it, most people just don't even think to put an eight on a tripod, and, and I think that that the light gathering abilities, you know, for the early morning, late late, at, you know, uh, in the evening. Um, if I just, I, I if I just had to have one, I, I think I'd, I'd do eight and a half EL, you know, Swarovskis. What about okay. you? And what? Well. I, I would go with the 10 by 42 Swarovski EL. Okay. Um, I've had that first generation pair of Swarovski EL uh, since they first came out. I think they're 10 plus years old. Um, they still work as good today as they did uh, back when I bought them. Um, I feel like I, I agree with you on the eights or the eight and a half, um, but I feel like on just an overall general binocular, the 10 by 42, you know, is great hand-holding, it's great mounted on a tripod, you know, it, 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 it works very efficiently for two steer, you know, stuff small like two steer as well as it works sure. great up on a high point for elk. Um, you know, I think anywhere in that 8 to 10 power by 42 power, uh, or 8 to, eight to 10 so, by 42 is, is a perfect fit. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to split that into a category. If, if I'm hunting if I'm hunting anything, you know, where there's any bit of of trees, hardwoods, um, you know, forest, whatever you want to call it, you know, back east, you know, eastern whitetail, I'd almost always go with an eight. And if I was hunting, if you, if you, if I just said, okay, we're going to hunt western game, um, I would, I would go with the tenth. That I mean, that would be, that would be ideal for me. But if, yeah, I, I'm with you. Either one of those you know, two would work perfectly fine. A, a question that I do get since we're talking about the either the 8s or the 10 uh, by 42 EL Swarovskis, I get a lot of questions, guys, asking the difference between the 10 by 42 SLC and the 10 by 42 ELs. Um, mm -hmm. How would you answer that question as far as obviously the SLC is a lower price point um, and I usually answer that the ELs are the Cadillac, they're the best of the best, but those SLCs are pretty darn good. Well, I, I think the SLCs are, I mean, they are no slouch by any stretch of the imagination. They are an awesome piece of glass. Um, the ELs have a field flattener, you know, in the lenses that um, I, I would tell you basically get better edged as quality. Um, and, and by the way, we're we're really splitting hairs when you talk about quality, um, but it, 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 you've also got uh, the ELs are made out of a magnesium body, and there's um, different grades of glass. Even though you're still talking about you know two of the best, you know, the, uh, arguably the the SLCs are still in that range of the best glass in the world, um, as many of the other makers have you know dual lines as well. Um, but the SLCs, 
if somebody told me they were going with an, you know, an, a, a 1042 SLC versus a 1042 EL, I, I, it's not like you're going to look at them and go, oh, man, that was a big mistake. I mean, the, the, yeah. those 1042 you know, SLCs are, are absolutely um, an awesome piece of glass. Um, and and it, it's just uh, you're, you're not making a mistake with, with going with something like that. People, people always often think, oh, well, you know, I just I got to buy this to get this. And it's not like if you were looking, if, Jay, if you and I were sitting on the same hillside and you had the, the SLCs and I had the ELs, it doesn't mean I'm magically going to see more deer than you. It's just, it doesn't work like that. So um, there, there are some people that, that uh, I, I, I will tell you this, if you're an eyeglass wearer, you almost got to go with, a, with an EL because of that field flattener and the, and the field of view you get out of them. But, um, but with the SLC, it, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that piece of glass. Nothing wrong with yeah. that piece of glass. Next question is, what lightweight, lightweight tripod head is best for the money? And this is from TDF underscore outdoors. What lightweight tripod head is best for the money? Well, you kind of, when you go into certain categories like that, you know, you can't talk about lightweight heads without, you know, talking with the outdoorsmen. Um, you know, they, they are on the expensive side of things. Um, you know, there's, uh, when you get into the, uh, the Subaru, that VA5 head is, is one of my favorite heads right now. Um, handles a lot of different weights very effectively and isn't, uh, um, you know, but it, it just, it kind of depends on, on what you're doing and what glass you're using. Um, I've even been impressed, uh, with a few pieces of the, uh, of, of the, uh, the slick heads, um, that I, I don't have as much experience behind. Um, but I have used them, you know, since coming over to, to go hunt and, and, uh, that, that's, that's been, you know, kind of eye opening to me, Jay. Um, you know, be, you know, when, when you're using something for so many years, you, 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 you forget to kind of look around and, and, uh, there's, there's some products out there that can be had. And, um, I, I'm, I'm really liking that, uh, that Subaru VA5 head. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if, I, I guess I'm leaning more and more towards the, the, the medium weight heads and I'm trying not to evade that guy's question, but, um, at the same time, I'm just trying to be honest about it. Um, I've been using medium weight heads because um, I don't want to give up the stability um, with the heavier optics that I've been using lately, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Explain to the listener maybe that doesn't understand why having a medium head as opposed to the lightest weight head that you could go with, why stability, Well, why that it, matters, and, you know, the vibration through the, you know, through the binocular into your eyeball. So I, I guess... You know, uh, many years ago, a guy told me, he's like, you know, Cody, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, we start picking gear or calibers or, you know, powers and optics or whatever you're choosing, you're, you're always compromising something. And so everybody always says, well, I want the lightest weight tripod and, and I want the lightest gear pod. And I, and I get that. But you give up some stability when when you... Um, you know, when you go too lightweight and, and so you just, you want to be careful when you go too lightweight, um, you might get more movement, more vibration, um, and, and maybe the head or whatever is not designed to handle, 
um, the weight of the optics, so the heavier optics um, don't have the 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 um, the uh, uh, the drag on it, if you will, to slow it down. Um, because so that you're making movements not um, when you're actually looking through them, so the movements aren't so drastic. Um, and I, I, I almost like to refer to it as like when you when you kind of when you start to feather the 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 the, uh, the drag in there. Um, if you don't have that, you know, good system, um, it, it'll, it'll almost let the binocular fall, and your hand's got to be the steadying factor. And I don't, I don't want the hand to be the steadying factor. I want the, right. I want the drag to be set on the on the on the on the head, so that it handles the weight smoothly and 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 effortlessly throughout the whole movement. Is that it, yeah, it, I like does that. Makes sense. Heads that have a yeah, I like the heads that have a little tension on them so that when you pull your hand away, it stays right where you leave it. I don't like the ones where it's so lightweight and you pull your hand away and the binocular falls up, down, or sideways. I like it to be able to have some tension on that head so that when you get to a spot, you find a buck, and, you know, you're you're just looking at it. You're not touching the binocular or the tripod in any way, and you can just let your eyes rest and look um, that it stays where you're at, where, where you get with the ones where you have to twist in and out and move it up and down, and it's very finicky. You get that herky-jerky motion. I just don't think it's near as smooth. This, this ties into the next question of John.Milburn237. He says, what is, a better, what is better, a pan head or pistol grip head for glassing with tripods and why? Cody, I'll, I'll dive into that question, and then you can follow up. In my opinion, you should always use a pan head. I, I've used pistol grips uh, in the past. Uh, the very first pistol grip I used was the big Bogan pistol grip. Um, you know, and it, it just, it's pretty herky-jerky. I feel like with a pan head, you're going to get a lot more consistency. You're going to get a lot more... Uh, less vibration, less herky-jerky. You can pan left to right, pan up and down. Uh, with the pistol grip, it's, it's great for kind of just shotgun glassing, but for, you know, glassing and sweeping like we've talked about from left to right or right to left, you get kind of that jerking motion. And anytime you get that vibration or that jerking motion, you're missing. And especially, you know, if you're hunting elk, you know, or, or bigger animals, bear, moose, maybe even mule deer, you're not going to miss as much. But when you start getting into glassing for bighorn sheep or glassing for coos deer specifically, you need that pan from left to right to be as smooth as possible so that deer that's laying there doesn't happen to fall in your field of view, in the center of your field of view, when you're just happening to, you know, release that pistol grip and you're getting that jerking motion and that vibration. Um Cody, do you have some thoughts on well, that question from John Milburn? Yeah, and and it's a great question. And and look, I, I'm this has been an argument for years and years and years. I mean, when when the the original, you know, Slick had their big, um, there was kind of a a horizontal handle, and I think they actually still have it out there. And then um, and then Bogan had their uh, two twenty two series that. That you know is kind of the bigger, heavier Jay, which you're referring to, and 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 even those were a little different um, in the sense that they were much bigger, heavier 
pieces of gear, and there was kind of a, um, your hand wasn't always more or less the steadying factor, but what most people have to realize about pistol grips is when you squeeze that trigger mechanism, you've taken the pressure off the ball that's on the inside of there, and your hand is now the steadying factor. And again, if you remember what I said about the last question, I'm trying to remove my hand from being the steadying factor. And, and I know that you can use a pistol grip, and, you know, um, we used to use the term, you know, power glassing, and, you know, a guy wants to move around real quick, and that's fine. I, I, I get that, but my opinion is, is if you have a pan head and you have the tensions and, and, and that drag set right, mated with the optics that you're using at the given time, you should be able to move your hand, your pan head as freely and as effortlessly as a pistol grip, but only just with smoother transitions. So right. I, I'm not, and look, again, it all comes down to personal preference. Hey, if a guy wants to squeeze the grip and move stuff around, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for that. And, and, and at least it's on a tripod at that point. Um, but but that's the you know that's the chocolate and vanilla of this you know the guy's got choices. I just use the pan head because generally we're digiscoping. Generally in the past we've been filming, you know, or doing some form of of videoing, and I just I've always lent myself to you know the the pan head thinking and and the only way that I would use a pistol grip today is if I had some sort of panning mechanism on the bottom of it, um, you know, to help you pan left and right. But remember that when you squeeze the, the you know, we squeeze the, the trigger mechanism, when you go to move up or down, your hand is now that staying factor. And so, again, it's a personal thing, but um, I would almost always lean towards the pan head style um, for the reasons that I've stated. I mean, it's, I just think it's a, yeah. for me, it's an easy one. Yeah. Talk a little bit about... Um glassing you talk about trying to remove your hand from being that stead steadying mechanism talk a little bit about if you get the tensions and everything set just right doing a lot of glassing where you're using the bridge of your nose to literally pan back and forth and you're literally not touching the, the tripod with your hand at all um, talk a little bit about that mindset of using you know your eyes the bridge of your nose, your eye sockets to kind of move the binoculars and how much smoother that is. Well, it, yeah, it just, it takes those, um, those moments of, of free, um, you know, it, it just, it, it, it's that, that, that drop, you know, if you don't have things set right in the, in the optics, you know, I mean, I'll give an example, you know, I've been using the BTX a lot. And so, you know, you've got a, a, a big 95 out in front and you've got a fairly heavy optic and you've balanced it on your, on your plates and, and you've, you've done that. But, you know, if you loosen everything up and, you know, it, 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 will, it will go forward and what you're trying to do is just make it so that, that every transition you make or every movement you make, um, it should be free enough. And, and Jay, I, I love the nose bump, um, you know, style. It, it, that means... What Jay's talking about there is that you've loosened the panning motion up enough that you can move left and right with with basically just using the pressure, you know, of your your nose or the inner part of your eye socket there, 
you know, um, to, to push to push the optic left or right. And and what that does is is that it, it just allows you to not have to move your body. Um, it, it, it basically keeps your whole glassing posture um, more still, if you will, and more in the glass. And over time, again, it comes back to that your eyes are focused for longer periods of time, which then in, increases the the amount of time that you can glass at the, you know, at the at day or end of a hunt or so, you know, you start thinking in those terms and it, it, it really just helps you be more methodical on finding game. So um, I'm not sure if that kind of hit it yeah, today, but I think it does. While we're on that as well, um, not a question from a listener, but just, I get this a lot. I see people glassing with the tripod arm, on the on the away from them side, so in other words, on the on the you know on the back side, and then I see some people glassing with the tripod arm facing them. My mm-hmm. question would be, which method do you use with the tripod arm? Whether it be a long arm, you know, like more of a bogan style, or if it's a shorter shorter style, do you have the arm you know facing you in your face or out on the outside uh, more almost the, almost without fail? Almost every time, period, I, I, I have the arm facing away from me. Um, Why? Now, well, um, the, the truth for me personally is that I normally am pretty close and, and try to hug into the tripod pretty, pretty good. Um, but I also, um, you know, in big chested and, you know, I literally, even when I'm in the best shape of my life, which has been a while, but. I mean, I'm literally, I wear a size 50 coat. So a big we chested, barrel medium, chested. Medium hut. Well, <laughs> well, but a big barrel chested Norwegian that I am, I, I'm just telling you, I, I'm, it, it's, it, 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 it's hard to, to get up close to the, so, you know, if I were going to try to, to, to have the, the handle back to my chest, um, I mean, I guess my short little alligator arms would work that way, but um, I, I just, I like it out in front of me. Um, now, a lot of people will, you know, will talk about, well, the video guys, the art, you know, and, and, and you know what, that's a whole different thing because the video cameras are typically longer and they, they push you back away from the tripod a little bit, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about glassing and typically, unless you're, unless you're glassing, um, well, using a, a, a straight tube spotting scope, that'll push you back and away from it. So you could probably get away with it then. But I just, I try to be pretty methodical and, and pretty consistent. So I almost always push the handle away from me. And I've always found that to be the most, um, uh, you know, the most um, consistent. So um, anything else with a shorter um, handle, you know, uh uh, you know, I mean, there's almost every, you know, the bigger manufacturers, the Manfrotto's, their handles typically are, oh, they're 12 to 14 inches long, some of them. But, you know, yeah. you go to the lightweight stuff like the Outdoorsman's and um, the old Jim Whitehead, and, and you start getting into some of that other stuff, and, and those handles are much shorter. Um, you know, and I guess that brings up a point is is that the longer the handle, the more balance you have, it, it kind of creates a... a a more balanced fulcrum point, if you will. And so it kind of gives you a little bit more leverage and, and you know, movement out there. So um, I, I just, 
again, I just always put it away from me, and it seems to work out the best. And yeah. the truth be I told. Encourage, yeah, go ahead. Well, the other thing I was going to say is, is that in, in many cases, um, over the years, the 501 heads, the 701 HDVs, 501 HDVs, you know, the, the bigger heads like using the COAs, um, Jay, I don't know, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to lend this one to Randy Omer because I, I, the first, I don't remember who I, whether it was you or Randy that I saw um, take the, the handle off. And yeah. of the Coas, and I, I started using the heads. Sometimes the bigger optics and the heavier. I don't even use a handle. I just those those optics are so heavy that I kind of let let them do them. You know, let it. You know, you set the tension with the knob, and and you don't, you don't, you didn't need a handle. Yeah, I mean, I would encourage people if they're just kind of starting out, try and start and learn with the handle on the outside. Um, yeah. I know there's some guys that get the handle tucked up kind of over their shoulder and all that, and it's just, you know, I'm not saying the way I do it or the way Cody's doing it is the right way or the best way, but, it, it you know, Dar does it that way, and that's good enough for me. That's kind of how I look at it. Like <laughs> he's one of the best classers. I know he puts it on the outside, and um, I use it on the outside. So, if you know, if you're doing it on the inside, maybe try it on the outside, see if you like it, well, and go from there. You know, it's funny, Jay, because I, I like when you're teaching your kids. That's been one of the funniest things is you watch them go up and they're you know they're trying to get into the you're know, like hey, turn this around, switch your binos around, you know get everything set and you put it out there like oh, well yeah. that that kind of that works and so yeah. you know it, it to me it's you know it, and if you break it down for a kid like that to me it's you start them off that way early and and they'll never you'll never have to worry about it. There's a question from Chad.Forest. It says, best tripod slash head on a budget for both binos and a spotter needs to withstand the wind. And I think the interesting part of this question is needs to withstand the wind. And I think it goes back to some of those more medium weight heads and medium weight tripods. You can get so light that it's great to carry. And it's, you know, on a, on a calm day, it's great. But most of the time, as you know, out in the field, we're constantly dealing with wind. I would rather actually carry a little bit heavier tripod, you know, as far as legs, diameter of legs, and a little bit heavier head so that I know that when it gets choppy, when the wind gets up, that I can handle any situation. So it's perfect, you know, maybe a little overkill when it's dead calm, but, you know, when it starts blowing 25, you can still glass and, and you know, right. see everything that you need to without having all that vibration. Um, as far as on a budget, you know, Cody, I would think you would probably lean them towards the slicks, you know, yeah, the legs Yeah, the slick is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, no, no, the, yeah. the, the slicks and, um, you know, because you can do, um, you know, it's probably a good time to tell people this, that, you know, slick um, in their carbon fiber series, just um, released um, a, a. I want to be really careful how I say this because they renumbered everything. Um, I'm waiting for mine to show up. They have renamed their their carbon fiber series, but it they like moved the order of how like it used to be the pro. 634 CF and now it's the Pro CF 634 and I to be honest with you Jay I'm 
I'm waiting for mine. Um, but they, they just so everybody knows, they have a new line of tripods out, um, and I, I, to, I, I want to put my hands on them before I speak about them and tell you exactly what the changes are. Um, they look very, very much the same. Um, I just I think that they changed some a few things, and I just I want to really get into that too much. But um, I will tell you that there's a um, a six thirty five um, and a six twenty four and a six thirty four. And then Jay, I know you're a big fan of the six thirty six twenty four, but now that's the seven. No, no, no. What do you? Which one do you, you use? The seven thirty four. 724, 734 CF2. So I guess the the long and the short of it is they've changed a bunch of their numbers and they've changed a bunch (laughs) of their models. But the reality is, you know, I've used the Slick Tripod for over 10 years. I've used the same one. It's very durable. It's very lightweight, but it does withstand wind. I would push people towards, you know, either that Manfrotto 190 type, which is, which is a, heavier tripod um, or the slick I would go with the slick um, and you basically have three section tripods and four section tripods I would try and go with a three section tripod yeah, most of the time I agree if you're backpacking you know a four section tripod will be a shorter once it's all bundled up it will be a shorter tripod but I feel like the more sections of legs you have the more chance you have of that tripod not being as sturdy. Um, right. But, you know, if you're going on a sheep hunt and you're, you're like, hey, I, I need to go as light as possible, then maybe the four-section tripod's the one for you. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of Slick. I've used the carbon fiber. I feel like they're, they're um, quieter. I feel like when, you know, the zipper of your jacket clicks against the tripod, it's not going to ding like it will with an aluminum tripod. Um, I feel like, you know, that carbon fiber is just, it's, I like it. I think it's a better product, um, to yeah, be honest with it, you. Yeah, it's uh, the slick, the, 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 I mean, the ultimate thing is, is, I wasn't trying to get too technical into that, but it's, the Slick's got a new set of tripods out, and I think everybody should take a look at them. Bottom line, um, you're going to spend about the new pricing. You should probably spend somewhere between 2 and 250 on these tripods. They're, they're, uh, but, but, but like Jay's saying, there's, they're, they're, they're a great brand of tripod. They've been doing really well for us. Um, we have sold an absolute ton of them. Um, and I think, uh, aside from the slick, um, Jay, you mentioned the, uh, uh, the, 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 the 290, there's a 290 extra for Manfrotto. Um, it's an aluminum. Um, it's going to be in that medium weight tripod, um, you know, it's a $140 tripod. You can couple that with an RC2 head for, for 90 bucks, and you're off to the races because um, that's a system that I still use those tripods to this day. Um, I've had a few of them now for, I don't know, probably close to 15 to 20 years on a, on a couple of them. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think there's I, – I think I, I would rather go um, – I would rather go for a little bit better quality in a medium weight tripod than I would go for ultra light and then have somebody be miserable when they start um, glassing with it and the winds kick up. Yeah, for sure. So, Let's dive into the next question. It's uh, from 
the goose uh, let's see the gusano or gusano i'm not sure how he's pronouncing that but i'm torn between the zeiss victory sf and the ht in 10 by 42 i hunt new mexico open country tip it says well so he's torn between um, the zeiss victory sf and the ht you know i think he's going to be relatively happy with both the glass, um, I'll tell you, is excellent in both of those. I would probably, in terms of everything considered, um, the, the, the SFs are going to be lighter weight. The HTs are probably going to, they're, they're going to be a touch heavier. Uh, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I probably would lend, I, I, I like the HT glass a lot. They have been known to give some people, um, and I don't want to, I mean, we can get into this, but, um, he needs to look up the rolling ball effect. Um, some people, when they're hand-holding and they, they're moving, it gives that uh, that appearance that there's a cylinder and it kind of, I don't know, it kind of distorts the edges and it, it gives people almost like a feeling of uh, um, like it's moving and it's, it's kind of an interesting feel. It's called the rolling ball effect. It happens to me once in a while on, on glasses, but... Um, but I would probably choose the HTs in that. That um, I, I just I, I think that's an incredibly bright pair of glasses. Um, that I I would uh, I would choose the HTs. Okay. Well, and Jay, while you're doing that, I can just tell people I'm answering these questions. You're answering these questions, and this is the kind of stuff that we. These are the questions that we get. These are you know for the listeners, the questions that Jay's getting off his Instagram uh, story or. And these literally are what people are, are chatting with me about or they're emailing me about and or they're calling me. So um, I'm just going to tell people if you guys want to call and talk about these options and different, you know, theories and, uh, you know, what you would go with or not go with or, you know, um, you know we, we, I mean, we can help you out with that. I also know you have a Black Friday sale coming up. Um, why don't you take a second here and tell the listeners uh, what you've got going on. Yeah, I would tell people, um, today is what, Tuesday? Um, I would tell people to start paying attention. Um, there's going to be some announcements of Black Friday sales uh, coming in the very near future. So I would start paying attention to um, your insider stuff and start looking at the website. You know, maybe around this weekend would be good to start looking. Um I know that there are going to be some items, not a lot, but some. Um, there will be, you know, definite percentages off, um, you know, a few items up to that 40% mark. Um, I know uh, I know that there's going to be some stuff coming. Um, and, uh, you know, again, uh, if you're wanting to buy glass, you can, you know, obviously call me, and, uh, and I will, you know, come up with a custom package for you, you know, with tripods and glass and, and uh, and we can work that out. <clears throat> um, and please tell me if you're, you're a, uh, a J. Scott podcast listener, because um, I'll definitely work with you on that. Yeah. So Wait I would minute. really let's, pay attention. Let's, let's hit on that. Let's hit on that for a second. You'll well, I was going to save that for later too. I'm a, I'm gonna uh, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna twist your arm and tell you. So you're gonna grind me again. Got out. Yeah, I'm gonna grind on you and say if I get any word from a. Jay Scott Outdoors podcast listener that you didn't 
bend over backwards for them. You and I are going to wrestle in the parking lot. I, I, I always take care of the JSO people, <laughs> period. I yeah. take care of everybody. Right on. Um, Cody, I want to take a second here before we get into the bunch of the rest of the questions. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. We've been talking about GoHunt.com. We've been talking about you, Cody Nelson, the optics manager over there, the glassing guru, the optics authority. You are the optics manager at GoHunt.com Gear Shop. And, guys, if you call Cody directly for info or sales, you can reach him at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. Now, keep in mind, listeners, Cody has not worked his way up enough yet to be extension 1. He's still at extension 2, but that (laughs) is a work in progress. So he's at extension 2, or you can email him at optics at GoHunt.com. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. Also, Kuyu, that's K-U-I-U.com, Ultralight Hunting, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Uh, obviously, the gear, uh, the clothing that I wear, I've worn since 2010. Just love Kuyu Ultralight Hunting gear. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. CanyonCoolers.com, based out of Flagstaff, Arizona. If you use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Uh, phonescope.com use the jscott18 promo code to get a 10% discount on all orders if you go to my Instagram account all of the uh, videos and photos that you see that are through my spotting scope or binocular are with the phone scope use that jscott18 promo code to get a 10% discount and then onxmaps.com Cody I don't know if you know but onxmaps.com contacted me, said they want to become a sponsor of the podcast, and they are offering to my podcast listeners, if you use the JScott18 promo code, you're going to get a 20% discount on all orders. Uh, I've been using Onyx Maps for a couple years, uh, use a lot over at the Optics Ranch, use it on my guided hunts in Arizona, trying to distinguish between public and private, uh, trying to... Uh, use the uh, GPS tools, use the measuring, the line distance tools. The other day uh, we were trying to, I was uh, taking a lady named Tammy out for her first elk hunt, and uh, she told me that she had about a range of about 200 yards with her rifle. She'd been practicing, and so I'd use, before I got to uh, where we were going to shoot from, I had to use, get my Onyx out, use the line distance tool and kind of measure it. Sure enough, she was able to harvest her first bull, bull that night. So Scott 18 you get a 20% discount there at onxmaps.com. Cody, I want to uh, dive back into the questions. I've got a question here. How does the Zeiss Conquest Gavia compare with the other scopes on the market, Clarity and what have you? Well, Gavia is a, is a good piece. Um, so much so, we, I mean, we've been... Every time I get them, I sell out of them. Um, it, it's it's a uh, I, I've been really happy with it. You know, when we first tested it, um, you know, we tested it against the the, the vortex, and um, in, in many cases, depending on who the person was, you know, we 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 gave it really high marks. Um, I tell you, it's absolutely worth the 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 money. Um, it is. Uh, um, you know, if you look at the Vortex, you know, that's who it's going to be compared to is the Vortex and the Maven. Um, I would tell you, uh, you know, it's really hard to tell, um, but, you know, having them all side by side, um, you know, I, I, I tend to give my, 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 uh, 
my tip of the hat to the to the Zeiss on that on that particular one. Um, not uh, it's kind of hard to put a uh, an exact on it, um, but I was really impressed with the Gavia. Um, I, I've always been in, you know, really impressed with you know that that mid-level line from Zeiss. I think they've done um, a really good job um, with that. So, uh, um, and you know, now they've come out with that Harpia, which that's a whole different subject that we'll talk about later, Jay. But um, the 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 Gavia is a uh, the Gavia is going to be around for a long time, and it's a, it's a super you know high quality uh, a piece of gear. So. Um, yeah, I, I would tell you that, uh, yeah, it, it's, I, I would put it, I would put it above the, uh, the razor, but, but only by a smidge. Okay. Um, what do you think of the Myopta 15 by 56? Are they even close to the Swaros? That's from Jacob, let's see, Jacob Dyke, Dykesto AZ, and I'm smiling you know, from ear to ear on this but the, nothing in my mind compares with the Swarovski 15s That's yeah the, the the 15 the Swarovskis are hard to, to you know especially in that 15 market um, the, the, the Swarovski 15s are hard to beat um, you know and I don't the, the Neoptas are an interesting company um, you, you know they if nobody knows this, the you know Meopta makes the the Cabela Zero brand, and you know, but that doesn't mean all the parts are the same and the coatings are the same. And but you know, there's there's some good products out there, but um, Meopta, you know, people kind of look down their nose at Meopta once in a while, and I don't know why they do because some of their products are actually really good stuff. Their 15s are good. Um, what I would tell you that at, at first notice, um, they're typically bigger than, than, you know, if you're just comparing the 15s, um, I think they're a tad bit bigger. I, I'm, the last time I checked the weights, um, uh, they, they were heavier than the 15s. Um, they, they do have good coatings on them. Um, I, I would give the nod to the Swarovskis for sure. Um, and, and it's not just because I'm saying it, but, um, when I've had them in the field and I've had them compared side by side, um, you know, with all the other 15s in, in that class, um, it's not that, you know, they're not a good piece of glass. Um, I just think that that Swarovski is really hard to, you know, to, to, to stay up with. Um, that 1556, the SLC is awesome. Um, but again, the, the Neopta is a good piece of glass. Um, it's, and again, it's not an issue of you know if you're if you're glassing with the Neopta and you're glassing with the, the Swarovski sitting on the same hillside looking at deer, the guy with the Neopta or you know the Swarovski is not going to magically see more deer. It's just that I, I think that the uh, at the end of the day I think it's a, 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 a higher quality glass and and I think that you know the way they put it together is just a, a, a touch more user friendly for me. So I would yeah I, I don't want to talk bad about it but at the same time um you know the bottom line is is it it's uh uh it, it's a good piece of glass it's just not what the Swarovski is Cody while we're talking about that um not specifically related to these questions that we've got here but I I get them almost every day 
I, I get a question saying, my wife has given me the go-ahead to buy a great pair of binoculars. I'm looking at this brand or this brand. Or my wife has given me the okay to buy a great spotting scope, and I'm looking at this brand and this brand. And without talking brand specific, I mean, I think people know kind of the, the optics that I really like to use and what have you, but it's a big purchase. And the way I look at purchasing binoculars Heck, I have my 10 by 42 binoculars that I've had. It's the very first generation of EL, and I've had them for 10-plus years. So I look at buying optics as like buy once, pay once. Like, you know, yeah, stuff it up and buy the best one that you can afford. Don't, don't look at it as, well, in two or three years I'm going to upgrade. Why not, you know, get that extra side job, sell something in your garage, whatever it may be. Like, I've been there where it's like, hey, I can just – I remember when I bought my first pair of 10 by 42 SLC binoculars. Like, I was digging under the, you know, cushions and, and trying to find every penny I could. I get it. But, like, you can buy a great pair of binoculars and you can use it for a long period of time. I like that. I like sacrificing upfront better – than saying, well, I'll just buy the cheaper brand and in a couple years I'll upgrade. If that's all you can do, fine. But if you can scrimp even more and save even more and get the best that you can afford and not have to do the upgrade, I think that's a better plan of, you know, buy as, you know, stretch yourself as much as you can, buy the best pair that you can buy and stick with them for five or ten years. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I, I just uh, I think people. Uh, I, I think people, you know, go. I, I think they spend way too much time, you know, wondering whether they should, you know, uh, wait or purchase or. And I always tell people if it's a difference of a couple hundred bucks or, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I, I hate to tell people what to do with their finances, but if you're saving for something. You know, and you've already saved fifteen hundred, and and you're you're going to, you know, the difference between one pair versus another pair. You know, how long does it take you to save that extra five hundred bucks? And I got to be honest with you, sometimes I'm just of the opinion that, you know, if it doesn't take you that long to save that extra five hundred, and you can you can do it, and and you're going to wait just a little bit longer, wait a little bit longer, and buy the best you can you can afford. I mean, I I just. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that whole line of thinking. There's a question from Tiny Moore 21. It says night vision, ATN 4K Pro 3x14 day slash nighttime scope. Worth it? Recommend <laughs> another. Now, Cody, I'm gonna have to lean on you because I, I well, know absolutely nothing about well, night vision okay, scope. So let's be really honest here. I hate the fact that I really can't answer this question, but night vision is not my cup of tea. And some guys are out there going, well, why not? And, and, I, and I'm just going to say it. There are certain things that you can hunt at night, small game, you know, but I, I don't hunt at night. I don't use night vision. Um, I have used it many, many years ago, and I think those were like, I don't know, Gen 1 or Gen 2 stuff. I, I, I'm, I wish I could answer this guy's question, but I am not the guy to do that. I can tell you scopes that if you were hunting in low-light conditions, you know, that have a red dot, um, that 
you know, have super, super bright optics. Um, you know, one, you know, one that I'm thinking of is a, is a two and a half to 56, uh, uh, Z six, uh, I, you know, Swarovski. It's a two and a half to 15 by 56, um, with a, with a, uh, with a, uh, uh, illuminated reticle. And I like the four AI with a single dot. Um, but you know, that, that in its, I, I, yeah, I just, I don't use night vision. I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not up to speed on that. Um, okay. but we don't sell another, any and. So yeah, let's anyway. move on. Another question from Western Hunter underscore says, looking for a lightweight, durable scope with turrets that track well and enough magnification out to seven, 800 yards. So I assume he's talking about a rifle scope, looking for a lightweight, durable scope with turrets that track well and enough magnification out to there's, seven, 800 yards? There's two scopes that come to mind. Um, the first one I get, I, 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 I'm in love with the Z5, three and a half to 18 by 44 ballistic turret or BT um, with a Plex. Um, there's another reticle called the 4W that I think is awesome. It's a $1,299 scope. You can get turrets from Swarovski, or you can get turrets from the Outdoorsman's. Um, the the whole thing that I would tell you that scope is 15.9 ounces. Um, it's less than 14 inches long. It's a 44 millimeter bell. I've used it in several different hunting situations. I've never once felt I was under scoped or under um, powered. Or you know, some people say, "Oh, I got to have a 50 millimeter." Um, I'm not that way. I've, I've always thought that that scope had more than ample amount of life or light uh, in low light conditions. Um, so the Z5, I'm a real big, uh, you know, you can, you know, the other thing I like about it, 44 millimeter bell, you can mount it low to the scope. You don't have to use high mounts or anything like that. Um, it does have side um, uh, 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 focus. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I think that's a real good scope. Uh, the other one that I like, uh, we have a, um, uh, a loophole, uh four and a half to 14 uh, by 40, I think it's a 40, 40 millimeter bell with a 30 millimeter tube um, that comes with the, the loophole uh, CDS dial. Um, uh, I think that scope is a $599 scope. Uh, and, and I, I've always liked the, uh, the three series, um, from, and it, it is illuminated. So you do have the, um, you can do the fire dot. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there's a whole line of stuff out there, um, that would fit that bill, but, um, that scope is, uh, is 15, actually, um, it's 12.6 inches long and it's right at 15 ounces. So, um, anytime you get under that pound, um, you know, for the scopes, I think that's a, a, a really good lightweight scope. Um, so um, those would be my first two right off the top of my head uh, scopes for that. Okay, next question. How do Vortex Kyabab's compare 15, 18 power, and 20 power? Whew. Um, well, that's an interesting question. Um, and basically what he's referring to, Jay, is last year uh, Vortex introduced an 18 by 56. Um, 
they're uh, in. They may have still some of them around, but they don't. They what they basically did was got rid of the 15s, got rid of the 20s, and and kept an 18. Um, I will tell you that if I had my druthers in this, you know, of all three, I would choose the 15s. Um, it's got better light gathering ability. Um, it's it's got bigger field of view. Um, I think, you know, when they did the 20s, I was hopeful. Um, the thing, um, the 20s, I thought were just um, I, 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 a little less than the light gathering ability. Um, I, I just think that that you um, you spend so much time and you spend your hard-earned money to go buy a pair of binoculars, and then you know to have something um, kind of fall into that in-between category. Um, it's not my favorite. Um, I, you know, again, you're going to find deer with it. Um, I would make sure that you put your eyes behind them, you know, before you buy either one of those. Um, make sure that you're happy with them. Um, if I had to just choose one, I would always choose the 15 power. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I would, uh, of the three, I'd take the 15 power. The 18 power, um, again, it, it just comes down to, it, it just makes for a smaller exit pupil, which means less light to your eye. Um, I'm sure Vortex has the reason of why they did that. Um, I'm just trying to be brutally honest and say um, I I appreciated the 15 more than I do the the 18 or 20. So um, I hope the guys over at Vortex aren't mad at me, but I'm just being uh, you know being brutally honest. Question from Roger underscore MMR: 15s or a spotter? Question mark for antelope and mule deer in Wyoming can only afford one or the other. I get this, this is, I get this question about once a week. Well, yeah. You know, Jay, on this one, so th this is why I would almost always say, hey, this kind of deserves a conversation because um, what he basically did is he didn't give me enough information because what I want to know is is what he has on his chest. So if he tells me that, hey, you know, I'm rolling a pair of, you know, 10 by 42 SLCs, I might lean towards the spotting scope because if he's using those 10 SLCs off a, off a tripod and he's going to, you know, he could easily go to a, you know, to a spotting scope and make, you know, and make a good all around system. But then if he tells me, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just using a, you know, whatever X brand, blah, blah, blah. And they're not, you know, what I would want to have on my chest then maybe I would tell him, yeah, you know, go straight to the 15s and never look back because um, some people hate looking through spotting scopes. And, um, and I, I think the 15 is one of the most valuable glassing tools that we have at our, our disposal today. Yeah, I mean, I see, I see it both ways as well, and I get this question a lot. And the very first question I ask him is, so are you just going to use 15s? or are you just going to use a spotter? Then once they say, well, no, I have another pair of binoculars. Exactly. And they're, like you said, they're a eight and a half or they're a set, you know, they're a seven or they're a 10 power binocular, but I, I need to, you know, so, okay, I picture a guy out there and okay, he can pop up and his chest binoculars, he can glass up an antelope or he can glass up a mule deer. Now he needs to be able to tell if it's a, it's a good buck or not. So then he goes right. to a spotting scope. So at, at that point, I would say go to your, you know, get a good spotting scope. Um, so you've got something that you can either handhold. I would always say 
have something like a 10 that you can handhold or an 8 that you can handhold that you can also mount to a tripod, then where you can, once you spot something, you can zoom in closer with a spotting scope. The 15s, in my opinion, are an incredible tool for guys that are glassing specifically for coos deer. I think most everybody else could do just fine with a pair of 10 by 42 binocular, whatever manufacturer yeah. you want, and a great spotting scope. At that point, I yep. would go, okay, you know, middle of the road binocular, and I would go with a great spotting scope to be able to zoom in and tell exactly what that buck is. The other question I would ask is like, hey, are, are you a trophy hunter, or are you one that, you know, likes exactly. to hunt the whole hunt and pick apart bucks and pass bucks? Or are you more of a guy that you're just trying to tell if it's a buck? If you're a guy that's just trying to tell it's a buck, I'm not going to spend a fortune on a spotting scope when I'm just trying to tell it's a buck. Maybe right. at that point I would just go with a chest binocular and have a pair of 15s and be like, yep, it's a buck, I'm going after it. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people say that they if they only had one piece of glass to carry with them in their backpack or on their chest or just one, they're taking 15s. I totally disagree. Even if you're just hunting coos deer, like, um, you know, I feel like you can spot almost just as much with a 10 power, a good 10 power, as you can with a 15. Where 15s come, you know, are really worth their weight in gold is when you're really trying to dissect and pick apart bedded deer, you Correct. Know, deer in the shade, and, and what have you. But, you know, I think guys can do some serious damage with 10 power binoculars and a great spotting scope. Well, I, 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 and Jay, we both know the gentleman that I'm referring to, um, you know, Mr. Kuzdier, um, you know, that's been around for a, a lot of years and, and boy, have I, you know, taken a lot of information from him and, and, and learned a lot. But, um, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he was the one that was famous when everybody else was going 15s, he was the one that did the 10 by 50, uh, SLCs and a spotting scope. And he was like, yeah. This is my rig. This is what I choose. I'm not carrying this. I'm not doing this. This is what I want. And the guy has killed an immense amount of deer with that system. So I can't argue yeah. with it, but it's just, you know. But, again, this, that, that guy's question is, and I'm glad he asked it, because it's, it's, to me it's one of those things that, that I need more information to answer it, you know, appropriately for him. Not me, but for him. Right. So, you know, those are the, the, you know, either give me more information or call me on the phone and let's hash it out and figure out all the, you know, all the information so that way we can right. make a really good decision. Right. I mean, if he's so, like, I'm a guy that's trying to tell if it's a 75-inch buck or an 82-inch buck, I'm going to say, well, you're going to need something to nitpick. If he's a guy that's just saying, I just want to tell if it's a buck or not, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go with a different answer a lot like you are. All right, let's let's finish up with our last question here. It says, would love to hear about the BTX versus traditional spotting scope. This comes from an Austin underscore Rollins one. Would love to hear about the BTX. So he's talking about the Swarovski BTX versus traditional spotting scope. Uh, first and foremost, BTX, comfort, ease of looking, um, I used it, uh, you know, I scouted a couple of times um, here just recently uh, helping out a buddy that had a November Coos deer hunt. And um, 
I just can't get over how easy and how fun that, that piece of gear is to look through. Uh, both eyes open, 35 power. Um, it, it, you know, I almost didn't. I, I did a couple of times only because we were, again, in this instance, we were really trying to figure out if a buck was what it was. But truth be told, I spend most of my time looking through the, the BTX, and I haven't exactly broke out my STX as much, but, you know, when I really need that extra power, and I say that over 50 power, um, you know, that's when I've, I've really been busting out the spotting scope. So um, the BTX, to me, uh, whether you're using the 85 or 95, I think it's just, to me, it's just super, super comfortable and easy, um, and it's not as big and cumbersome as the Koa's. Um, you know, but I just, I, I absolutely love looking through that piece of glass, Jay, and I, and I know you've got it too, and, and I, I, I fall in love with it really more and more every time I go, I, you know, I, I go look through them. Yeah, I mean, there is no doubt um, in my mind that the BTX is a phenomenal specialty piece of binocular, you know, piece of glass, but I say specialty because it's not for everyone, but for the guys that are out west that really want to carry something that's, you know, a powerful tool for not a lot of weight, that BTX eyepiece is incredible. Now, whether you put that on a 65 millimeter, you know, at 4.14 pounds, or you're at the 95 millimeter, which is, I believe, six, six and a half pounds, or just over six pounds, um, you know, the one thing I will go back to, my, my, there's two knocks for me on the BTX, which optically, comfort, it's incredible. I still go back to, I, why did they make it a fixed power? Meaning, it's 30 if you're on the 65 or 85, or it's 35 if you're on the 95 millimeter objective. I wonder in my mind, like, why didn't they make it variable? In other words, where you could be at 20 power or you could be at 40 power. You know, why isn't there some sort of ring like there is on the shotting sure. scope? That's one question I have for Swarovski is, why wouldn't you make it a variable power? Because if, if you're talking where you can glass with the BTX and you have a buck and then you can crank it to 55 power, 60 power, 50 power, whatever it may be, Oh, man, that's incredible. Um, and maybe it's coming with Swarovski. I don't know. Um, there's got to be a reason why they made it fixed. Um, you know, as far as looking through the actual eyepiece, you feel like you're looking through a pair of 10 by 42 ELs. I mean, you have that same level of comfort. You get that Swarovski wow factor for sure, and it's an, in an incredible piece. The only other thing, I wish they would have made it in a straight eyepiece, and, and this actually leads to another question that we can get into straight versus angled. But that's my only two gripes. Why wouldn't you make it a variable power and why wouldn't you make a straight version? Now, they could have a very easy answer why it's angled and not straight. Now, that leads to another question of angled versus straight. You know, I go up and I hunt uh, doll sheep with Lance Kronberger, and he, I mean, he swears by an angled spotting scope and says he wouldn't own a straight spotting scope. He has to have an angled. So for most people, you take a Greg Krogh. He loves the angled eyepiece of the BTX. He thinks it's more comfortable on his neck. 
Um, I'm curious your thoughts on the magnification, and, and maybe it's something we can dream about with Swarovski, and I'm curious about the angled eyepiece of the BTX versus if, if they possibly could make it well, straight. Okay, so... And, and, and let me say before, before you answer, like, I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying. It is a phenomenal tool, and a pheno they have done an unbelievable job being able to look through both eyes I'm just always one of those guys that wants just a little bit more. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, like they didn't consult me. Um, <laughs> well, and they kind of did, but, um, Jay, there's certain, I, I, can, I can answer the question. I've always been told that there's an extra bend of light in a straight eyepiece versus an angled. Okay, so... Is that perceivable to the eye? I don't know. Um, it, it, I, you know, it, it, it's, it just is what it is. Um, when you talk about the BTX, and I think when you take, and you take a spotting scope, you know, objective lens, and, you know, bioptically is the vision that you're actually seeing, um, and I don't want to get off into too technical. I, I think that there is the chance that um, you would lose light too much if you were able to swing the power right away. And, and, the, and the example that I'm going to use is that I, 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 I know that some guys like the 20 to 50 doctor optics. But I personally do not like that 20 to 50 option. I, 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 they're okay to look at through the 20 power, but when you flip them up and go to, I, it, it drives me up a wall. And I just, if they're not my favorite that way, uh, the 40 by 80 doctors, I, I love to death. But um, going back to the BTX, I, I think what happens is, is that when, when you add that focal length and what they need to do in there, I, I just think it becomes a geometry issue, how much space they have, and then how much does it diminish the picture when you, when you, when you, when you go up in power like that. Um, so... You know that that's my best answer on that. Um, I am sure that if we talk to the engineers at Swarovski, they might give us a way more technical answer. Um, but that's that is that is basically the Reader's Digest version of of what I know. Um, yeah. I prefer a straight spotting scope for purely um, target acquisition. And Jay, we've been on several hunts together, and when you and I are sitting there, or you ask me the question, Cody, how big is he? And I have to know that question, and I'm funneling, going, you know, and trying to, you know, get off my binoculars and throw a spotting scope up. I need that transition to happen right now. And what I mean by that is, is that you don't have to readjust from your binoculars, the height of your tripod from a straight, you know, off of your, your, your binoculars. I can pull the binoculars off. I can throw the straight right in there 
and if I've locked the tripod down and the head, I'll be looking right at the same field of view, and I can focus and get lined up on that thing. And, Jay, you know what? I think that's a 400-inch bull, or I think that that's a, you know, a whatever. But, you know, when time is of the essence and we're trying to make a decision on a buck or a bull or whatever that's walking away quick, I want the fastest target acquisition I can possibly get. And you, there is nobody that can tell me that they can take their binoculars off move their tripod down lower, throw their, their angled spotting scope up, and then look into it, and, and hopefully they're coordinated enough to find it in, in a quick enough time. That is my only gripe with the angled spotting scope. Yes, Lance Kronberger, love Lance to death, and man, that, I mean, he, I get it. But generally speaking, I think those guys... Are, are down looking up. And I would tell you that absolutely, if you're looking up, you know, a ridge as opposed to down, I think an angled spotting scope, you know, works well. So, um, yeah, conversely. And I would also say that, I would also say that speed, a lot of times for a sheep hunter, isn't as necessary as, say, a coos yeah, hunter it, it, where they... You get one look at a buck, it's a five-second look, and you've got to go from your binoculars to your spotting scope to be able to say, I'm going to waste the next week of hunting on that buck. Most of the time, sheep are a little bit more docile, a little bit more you know, slower moving. They're not just so cr- as crafty, I would say, as a coos deer, where you've got to, like, you need to make a split decision, and you know, every second counts. Um, and that's where I would argue with anyone till I'm blue in the face that straight spotting scope would be uh, better for all the reasons you listed. Um, but time is of the essence, and speed and efficiency um, are at the top of, of, of what I right. need, and a straight is why I'm going to go. Tying back to the, you know, BTX versus the spotter, I think people need to understand, like, a spotting scope, in my mind, I'm going to buy the best, possible spotting scope that I can afford and I want to be able to take that spotting scope and be able to zoom it all the way into 50, 60, 70 power, whatever I've got and dissect what I'm looking at and look at every little detail of that animal. Whereas you bounce back to the BTX, you're at 30 or 35 power. It's an incredible long-range binocular, but it's still not a spotting scope. It's still not something that you just dissect something. Now, if you're looking at a bucket 500 yards on an opposite hillside with a, you know, uh, 95 BTX, you're going to be able to see everything you need, and you don't even need to get the spotting scope out or even 800 or 900 yards or 1,000 yards. And that's why a lot of the guys out west, including myself, have gone, you know, they're you know, it used to be 15 power was a long-range binocular. Well, I still consider it a long-range binocular, but, you know, you get into the 20s, you get into the 25s, you get into the BTXs, you get into the 40s, you know, doctors. That's where you're at, you know, a mile, and you look one look, and you don't even need to go to your spotting scope because you can be like, yeah, that buck's, you know, 14 inches wide, he's got two kickers off his G2, and he's a shooter. That's the benefit of a long-range binocular, which I would put the BTX in that category of you're looking at stuff that's close and you're looking at stuff that's far, and at that point, you don't need to nitpick because you have a good enough view of what you're looking at to say, 
that's a shooter buck. I'm going to waste all hunt right. on that buck. That's the one look I did get, whereas maybe in 15, at a mile and a half, you're like, yeah, it looks good, but you can't see all the detail. And all of a sudden, now you're glassing with the 30 power or 35 power BTX, and you're like, I saw enough of him in that 15 seconds. He's got two kickers. He's got a little dropper. You know, he's got extra eye guards. That's our buck. So that's the benefit well, of yeah, glassing and with I, long range binoculars. And I think it comes back to this. It's, it's, you know, a lot of guys are like, well, I'm not carrying all that stuff. Well, okay, so I think that this is the, the thing is, is that, you know, I, I don't, I don't carry the BTX with me when I leave the truck. I, I, I don't, I, it, it's, that's not my go-to, you know, pack glass. I'm not saying it can't be. I'm not saying that that's, you know, but what I like to do with it is I use it. I mean, for the next two months, that that will be my go-to piece of glass. I mean, because I like to use it for the, you know, for for the scouting and 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 you know what? What's nice is is that if I really want to look at something, I just twist the BTX piece off. I keep the light, tripod locked down, and I put my eyepiece on, and I get back in there and look at it, and be like, oh, there you go. So. You know, I, I change it out real quick, but um, I, I get where people are, are you know, I, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have something, you know, that you could have variable power, but I I'm, I just don't know if it exists yet. So Yeah, um, I think that's which, a good answer. Cody, we've covered a ton of ground. We've answered a bunch of questions. Um, just want to reiterate, if you want to talk to Cody, 702-847-8747, extension 2. Uh, we're still working on getting him to extension 1, like I said, <laughs> or you can email him directly at optics at gohunt.com. Cody, anything else you want to add? You know what, bud? I just I want to make sure people are paying attention to the Black Friday sales. There is stuff coming. Please pay attention. You know, I'd start looking for that stuff coming this weekend. Um, the uh, I did want to make a couple quick announcement kind of things. Um, Leica, uh, we uh, we we have the twenty seven hundred HDRs now. Um, awesome piece of glass. You know, twenty five ninety nine for um, you know you're basically getting uh, twenty seven hundred yards out of that, and then it's going to range. Um, you know, the angle from ten to I think it's 10 to 800, or it, they might even up that up to 1,000. Um, but then um, we also got uh, more of the Leica CRF 2400Rs in, and uh, the, that's a fantastic little compact rangefinder, best glass, you know, in compacts. Um, again, you got 2,400 uh, y yards out of it, and then you get the angle compensation from uh, from uh, uh, um, uh, 10 yards to uh to 800 yards, and I mean, what, what, you know, all of it is a fantastic um, piece of gear. Um, and what side, it, what, what side of the, um, what, where's the button on that? Oh, on the, the button on the, yeah, that's the, so the, these Leicas, um, for the binoculars are, um, they're on the, uh, they're on the, the, the right side now. Okay. So, uh, Leica switched that over. Um, on those, so um, yeah, so that that that's uh, that's on the right side now, um, and then uh, and then also Jay, I wanted to tell you that 
Um, we uh, have had the, uh, the Zeiss Harpia spotting scope, the 22 to 65 by 85 available. Um, you know, it's a, it's a $4,100 spotting scope, but we're offering it with a $400 gift card. Um, and then the Zeiss Harpia um, 95, it's a 23 to 70 power. Um, I'm actually uh, going to be able to field test these again um, coming up here pretty quick. And uh, what an awesome piece of glass! And I'm uh, I'm very uh, I'm very uh, anxious to uh, to do some comparison tests for our uh, our listeners and our customers. So it's a 23 to 70. So in other words, like a 95 is a 30 to 70. So you're actually going to be able to range from 23 all the way to 70. I'll be real anxious to see how that compares with the 95 Swarovski. Yeah, no, I will too. Because you and I both know how much we like the Swarovski in the fact that you can actually turn it all the way to 70. And it's, I've always said it's the most usable over 50 power anything. And then, so I think that this Harpia, um, I, I really do. I think it's got a place in this world. And I think there's going to be some people that that, uh, that really, you know, especially for the long-range stuff, um, I think there's going to be some people that like this scope very, very much. And so we just sure. got those in, and they're, it's a $4,400 rig. And, uh, in, again, we are offering a, a $400 gift card with that. So the Germans have come out swinging with this. Oh, yeah. Zeiss has uh, put the gloves on. They're... They're doing some things, and, and uh, you know, they got the new Zeiss RFs that are out that have been selling pretty well. Um, heard good feedback on those. And then uh, these, you know, the Gavia spotting scope and then the, uh, the Harpia. Um, this, is, this is Zeiss's best glass um, in, this, in this Harpia. This is their absolute best glass they make. Um, and so it, it, uh, I'm very, very excited about this piece. Awesome, buddy. So, well, thanks for that's, coming that's on. What thanks I got. for sharing. Thanks for sharing with us. Um, thanks for giving us your time. And want to encourage the listeners: give Cody a call if you've got any questions at all about glassing, tripods, binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, anything to do with glassing. Give Cody a call, and uh, you're going to get what you just heard on this podcast. You're going to get uh, right from the heart. You're going to get the honest answer and he's going to try and match you up with what's best uh, after he hears all of your information and, and is able to uh, dissect what you need. So Cody, I appreciate your friendship of over 20 years. I appreciate you taking care of the J. Scott Outdoors listeners and uh, I'll be headed to Arizona soon and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, look you up. We'll have to have some lunch. Yeah, we'll, we'll get together and Jay, I, as always, I appreciate you having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk and and uh, let people know what I love to do, and that's uh, put people behind glass, put them on a tripod, and uh, and, and find game. I, I just appreciate the opportunity. Sounds good, buddy. Hopefully the J. Scott Outdoors listeners alone can take Cody from Extension 2 to bump him up to Extension <laughs> 1. So we can proudly say that we did it. And uh, we got you to the extension number one category. Yeah, well, I guess I'll, I'll just earn that uh, that GoHunt.com, the new Optics Authority name, if, if we get to extension one, huh? All right, buddy. Sounds good. Uh, God bless. Take care. Uh, yeah, you too, sir. Have a great day, and thank you All very right. much.